We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. This is episode number 30. We are brought to you today by PacersTalk.net and our good friends, Smoking Barrel Barbecue, and the man joining me on the other line from Indie Sports Legends, my man Tyler Smith. Tyler, what's going on? Hey, good to be back for another podcast. Sad the season's over, but looking ahead to a crazy summer for the Pacers. That's what it sounded like yesterday at the presser, and you were actually there. Got to be there in person, see Pritchard and McMillan. Talk about this season and what they want to do going forward. Um, I guess, I guess, what was your the biggest takeaway you took from yesterday? Uh, my biggest takeaway from the press conference was that Kevin Pritchard sounded different than he did at the end of last season. You know, mm-hmm. at the end of last season, he talked about mainly just bringing the team back and having a little bit of money to add a piece or two. But last year's presser was all about you know the the overachieving team, how proud of, proud of the team he was, and he wants to bring them all back. This year, I know some of it has to do with the amount of free agents they have and the cap space and all that stuff. But this year, he says words like, hey, we're not afraid to think big. Uh, We all have to look in the mirror. We need more talent. We need to get better. We need a playmaker. Um, You know, and and I think that's a good sign. I think it's a good sign for Pacer fans to to see that he acknowledges the Pacers need to make some moves instead of just relying on Oladipo coming back. I mean, if, if he were to be in that press conference and say, like, well, we're getting Oladipo back and, you know, we'll be good. That wouldn't sit well with with Pacer Nation. So, um, you know, he wants Oladipo plus, and so that's a that's a big thing. Yeah, one of the things that I noticed he said was he wanted shot creators, um, creators on the offensive end. Now he specifically said that doesn't mean a ball handler. That could be a wing. That could be a big. He said that Sabonis does a really good job of creating for offense, and he wants to get more type of creators in there. Now he also went on to say that Sabonis wants a bigger role next season. And he said he's going to get that. Now, there is definitely uh, there's an open end to this answer. There, he didn't give one. He just kind of threw it out there. But the question is, to, for me, I guess, does this mean that he's willing to trade Sabonis? Or does he envision Sabonis starting next to Turner next season? To me, he seemed to hint that it's not a guarantee that both of these guys are back. But to me, he also seemed to indicate there's a good chance that they are. Right. Um, and it's good for him to be open-minded too. I mean, you got to see what's out there. You should never say like, "Oh, I got this untouchable or that guy." And I know sometimes fans get upset when you don't come out and say these guys are all you know untouchable. It would be stupid to not listen to what offers that are out there. I do think though that they will both be back, and I honestly I think they should be back, um, depending on those offers, of course. But uh, if you were to lose either one of these guys, it would be a huge loss. Probably a you know, there's a chance it would be a bigger loss than what you'd even get back. Imagine if if they traded one and then the other guy gets hurt. I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios and things going on to it. But he, I just, I just think he's going to be open minded outside of Oladipo 
know, as the untouchable. Everybody else, he's going to wait and see what happens. Yeah, and I mean, really, like, looking at the free agents, is there anybody right now on this list of free agents that you think is a must re-sign? Uh, for the Pacers, I've been saying that I really think uh, Bogey is the guy they got to bring back. Um, I know some some people, their opinion is Thad, which is a good you know good thought as well. He's the glue of the team, as they've been calling him for a couple years now. Uh, I just think that if you were to lose Bogdanovich, you're already trying to add in um, some shooters. Um, he he was even better than the year before, and, and could get even better after that. He's comfortable here. He fits really well. Uh, definitely don't want him as the top option or even the second option. But if you look at him as a third or fourth option, that's going to be a good squad. Well, what were your thoughts on Pritchard's comments about Bojan? Because he said that there's going to be teams that are going to pursue Bojan. He said they've already felt that, and he kind of left it open, like, "Hey, you know, we we like Bojan. We want to bring him back, but at the right price." Um, what would you say their max? Uh, per year would be for Bojan? Oh, that is really difficult just because... Well, I wouldn't know. go above $15 million. I mean, he's already making, what, is it $10 million this year? 10.5, something like that? I mean, I think getting a 33% increase or whatever it would be, 50% going up to $15 million, I mean, that's a really nice pay raise. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think that's about the, the area that they're going to try to offer to him. Um, I just wonder if there was a team that came in a little bit higher, if Pritchard would then say, okay, we can match that. Um, if it's a little bit higher than the $15 million a year, um, I could see you know, three years, $50 million. Problem is if one of these teams comes in and offers like a five and you know something crazy, that's going to be more challenging to keep. But I, I think as far as his comments go, he was, I guess, maybe letting fans know that that's not a guarantee, but he said on day one of free agency, honestly, if we're being honest, it's going to be before that, but he said on day one of free agency, we're going to have an extensive discussion with Boyan and, and you, you got to love Boyan's comments as well towards the end of the year. You know, I, I said he likes it here and doesn't like to change teams, likes the coaching staff, um, money talks. So my, my thing with him is if the Pacers can just be in the same ballpark as other offers that he's getting, he'll probably stay. But if they get blown away by an offer, they, they probably wouldn't go that high. What about a sign-and-trade for Bojan? Do you think there's a team out there that would be willing to do a sign-and-trade? I'm sure there would be. I think uh, you know this offseason is, is super interesting for – I mean, the NBA offseason is always dramatic and entertaining, especially when you got these guys putting little tw- uh, Twitter emojis and all, <laughs> all this right, stuff right. about where they may be going and stuff. But um, I, I think there are so many options this year, this summer, um, for the Pacers, and, and doing one of those deals is falls right in line with everything else. Yeah, so i, I got to bring this up. It's going to change gears a little bit. But Nate McMillan, fans have been very lukewarm to him as a coach his offensive you know, schemes, his decisions on how he runs a team. Now, he basically came out and said that Kevin's got to get him better three-point shooters so they can play a bit faster. And that sounded really nice because it's like, okay, this is what we want. We want to see this. And a lot of people are saying, well, they're a good three-point shooting team. Well, they shoot a high percentage, but I think they were 29th in attempts last season. So he says that, and then about 15, 20 minutes later during that press conference, he brings up the Pistons playing big. Uh, the Nuggets playing big when he brought up uh, their center and their backup center who don't really play together. He called Millsap big, who's 6'8", <laughs> and used that to <laughs> determine that he would want to play uh, Sabonis and Turner together if they're on the roster next season. So very contradictory there. I uh, did not understand what he <clears> meant by, I think the league is turning into more more big men and then also saying that he wants to play fast and shoot more threes because I just don't think Sabonis and Turner can play fast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was uh, way more concerned with uh, Pritchard's comments as far as, you know, writing them down for an article. I've been listening to McMillan talk all year. So it's like when <laughs> when Pritchard said something, well, yeah, when he, when Pritchard said something, I would be writing it down. I wasn't listening too much to McMillan. But the things that he did say, I like you, I was kind of like, uh, that's kind of different than what you said earlier. Um, I, I, it's also like baseball managers, like when when a new manager signs. Every single manager says we want to be aggressive on the base pass. We want to uh, move runners over, steal base, you know. But they may not manage that way. It's right. kind of similar to McMillan, where he's like constantly saying, "I want to have a good pace. I want to move the ball." But his offensive system so far has just not been really ready for that. And, and yeah, part of that is the personnel. 
Um, but I like what uh, 8.9 seconds said in an article, I think it was today. Um, they said McMillan needs to be the, the change that he wants to see. So, you know, he, he needs to he needs to use this summer to honestly get more inventive um, with his offense. And and I mentioned this, I think it was a week or two ago. Um, McMillan deserves a ton of credit. You know, two straight years, overachieving teams. He's been in the running for coach of the year. His players love him. Oladipo loves him. Bogdanovich had high praise for him. Um, Pacers are three and twelve in the playoffs in the last three years, but somehow they're only a minus six in point differential. You can look at that in two ways. That's either a really bad thing on on Nate, or it's a good thing that he he's keeping his inferior teams that competitive. But to me, if McMillan is going to have a very good offense, uh, he either needs to change his system or he needs a guy. I don't know if you know a guy, maybe by the name of Kimba or somebody like that, um, to come in and make some plays for themselves because. If you know, if the defense is there, if the motivation is there, um, playing the right way, all that good stuff is there, and you have some shooters, and you have Oladipo and somebody like Kimba Walker, you don't have to have a great offensive system in that case for that to work. Right. So I feel like Nate could be fine as the coach here to take him up a notch or two if he has some other guys that create because his offense has been, you know, yeah, not mean, a whole he's- lot. He's not really had a great roster build. Like, you know, we've overachieved. Like, there's no doubt about it. Oladipo overachieved his first year here. He goes down. You know, you get a great season from Bojan. Darren Collison, just a consummate pro. You know, you got you got guys that are good veterans, but not guys that you're going to win with in the playoffs. And so I got two questions for you here, and I want you to really break this down for me. This one's not too hard, but number one is – Pritchard and McMillan too attached to the hip to each other because they have their ties at Portland. You know, uh, McMillan took over Paul George's last season. He's been, you know, beat. He's been swept twice. I think the only time the Pacers have been swept in a first round series has been the two times that McMillan has been swept and he lost in seven games to Cleveland. Are they too attached to the hip to one another? Number one. And number two, do you think that, you know, Pritchard can bring in some guys that can really help bolster this roster? I think the answer is yes to both. Um, yes and yes. I think, yeah, I mean, early on in that press conference, he said, you know, Nate's a very good leader. He's led us to the playoffs three years. <clears throat> I think after it's after maybe year one when people were calling for Nate's head and uh, Pritcher said, you know, this is a guy that you want to go to war with and we've got each other's backs. Um, I also know, though, he's a really smart guy, and if it were to not work out, maybe even, you know, in a year or two, um, he, he would make a change. I'm sure he would, but, um, I do think there is a little bit of element there of history and, and thinking, you know, we've been through a lot, so let's continue to go through it together. Um, so maybe too much there, but I, I also think that, you know, Pritchard's comments gave me hope. It's not like one of those press conferences where you're thinking the guy's just saying the right things and just, you know, talking out of his butt or something that's like, right. you know, hey, you know, this is what the fans want to hear. I'm, you know, he's not that way. And I, also, fans need to know this. Before this past season, Kevin Pritchard has always been a very aggressive general manager or president of basketball operations, whatever his role is at the time. And he's always been aggressive except for basically last season. Um, so I, I believe him when he says, we don't know if we're going to get a big name, but we're going after it. And, you know, that's uh, – that's that gives you some hope that he's going to bring in some some fresh blood here. Yeah. So, do you think that he kind of brought this up too? He said we have the flexibility with forty three dollars in cap space, forty three million dollars in cap space, to go out and make an uneven trade, similar to what they did with Thaddeus Young a few years ago when they traded their pick, which ended up being Karis Levert for Thaddeus Young. You know, they made that uneven trade where they were able to absorb that contract into their you know cap room. So. It, it kind of felt like he was leaning towards that way when he said that they're going to be very aggressive with their 18th pick, whether they move up, whether they move back, whether they trade it all together. I, I just don't feel like he's going to keep that pick. I feel like he's looking to move it. I, I think that the Doug McDermott and the Tyreek Evans signings and the Kylo Quinn signings did not work out this season. I think that we saw flashes from all of them, but at the end of the day, I don't think that that money was well spent. I think that they ended up having to go routes three and four because they wanted Will Barton, they wanted Joe Harris, they wanted J.J. Redick, they got Doug McDermott, they got Tyreek Evans. So it wasn't their priority guys on their list. So with that being said, you know, these changes that are coming, 
you know, I feel like it's going to happen more via trade because this is something they can have a little bit more control of. It's very possible. And his actual, his quote, he said, I've never been more excited about a draft, which is pretty crazy. But he said, you know, I like 18th pick, but he said, we're going to be aggressive. Uh, He said, I wouldn't be surprised if we've moved up or down. He also, in that little speech there, he was talking about some of these teams like Boston. He's like, yeah, they had this high pick and this high pick. And it it was almost like he was saying, you know, I would really love to get creative and and get a high pick somehow. I don't know how he's going to. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how he's going to do it, but. Um, and he said to to that extent, he has said similar things before about the draft, about like we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm with you. I think that this year is the year that we could we could see something there. Yeah, and I mean it just it just feels like there's something. I mean, I don't know what to expect with Sabonis and Turner. I feel like they are all in on Turner. They gave him the contract. He called him an elite defender. He said he loves Sabonis. Sabonis has got to become a better defender, but he said that there's things on the offensive end he likes that Sabonis does better than Turner. You know, It just really seems like he's unsure of what he wants to do, but I do think that he does want to make some big moves. But with $43 million, and you have how many free agents? I think it's six or seven. Is that really a bunch of cap space? Because if you got to bring that many guys back, you don't really have a lot of room to work with as far yeah. as bringing a big guy. So even if you want to bring up Kimball Walker, which I know everybody wants to talk about Kimball Walker, if they offered him a max contract, that'd be about $32.7 million they'd have to offer Kimba. That only gives you $11 million to go <laughs> fill out the rest of your roster. So you're going to have to make a trade or you're going to do something. And that's why I think if he goes that route, it almost makes more sense to trade Turner's $18 million and keeps a bonus on this cheaper deal to get the roster that he wants for next season. But I'm not saying that I want to trade Turner. I'm just saying money-wise, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, and I wonder if his comments about Herb Simon are hinting at anything or if he's just kind of like protecting his boss a little bit. <laughs> but basically saying, you know, he's he's not going to say no if there's a player that fits that we really want. Um, in addition to bringing – like he said, he wants to bring back – not the whole core because you can't do it, but he wants to. He said continuity is, you know, important for him moving forward, and he wants to add to it. So it's very easy for fans to play, you know, NBA 2K GM and say, "Well, just give this contract, this contract, this contract." It's much more complicated than that. Um, I do like how he's kind of keeping the options open. He he said these words that you know he's not going to pigeonhole um, the uh, trying to think what he said there. Not going to pigeonhole the options that the roster has and i mentioned this a couple articles ago i think that they should honestly try to get the best player available that they can almost regardless of position and that's how i look at draft picks as well take the best player you can get figure out the roster later it's more of a positionless uh, league anyway um you cannot just go uh, because this these decisions are not affecting just this year it's for the future as well for many years and i say get the best guy you can get with what you have available Mm-hmm. Well, I want to ask you this. Do you, do you have anything else from the press conference that we didn't bring up that you want to touch on? I'm looking through my article here to see if I can remember anything. Um, Holidays I do like rotation, right? <clears throat> I think that, I mean, that's what well, we've all kind of thought that he would be uh, the main backup point guard next year, but uh-huh. who knows what happens there. And um, I did like how, you know, Pritchard was talking about, you know, our, our backbone has been our defense, but it is an offensive league and we've got to look at offense. I just, I mean, he just continued to say the things like we've got to look in the mirror. We've got to, um, we've got to get better. And he said, I'm very proud of our group. At the same time, we weren't talented enough to keep up with Boston. We need more talent. And he also threw a little pitch in there about his, uh, you know, hey, if you're a big-time player and you want to come here, this is what is available to you. And I, I honestly think he was hinting a little bit at, you know, there's a couple names that he's at least going to talk with. Yeah. All right, so anything else? Or do you want to transition and play a little bit of 2K GM here in the next segment? Let's go for it. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. All righty, we're back for segment number two here. I'm with Tyler Smith from Indy Sports Legends and PacersTalk.net. I'm your host, Alex Golden. You can follow us on Twitter, Tyler, Tyler Smith underscore ISL. I'm at AlexGoldenNBA. We're going to play a little bit of GM here right now. So first things first, let's go through the Pacers free agent roster. And 
I'm going to ask you, Tyler, if you think they're back or not, and we'll just go through it real quick. So let's start with the point guard, Darren Carlson. Is he back or no? I don't think so. Okay. Let's stay with the point guards, Corey Joseph. I will also say no to that one, but I think maybe a little bit more of a chance than Darren, but I still I think they're both gone. Why would you pick Corey Joseph over Carlson? <laughs> I think he'll be cheaper, and I think – Excuse me. I think the Pacers uh, are at least going to look at the point guard position uh, to bring in somebody. And if they do, um, Joseph makes more sense um, as a backup mm-hmm. than probably Collison at this stage in his career. So, and the defense is good as well. So I'd go that way. Age, defense, and he's able to play off ball with Holiday in the backcourt. That's my big thing. A little bit bigger size than Collison. All right, Tyreek Evans. Not a chance. <laughs> okay, who's got a better chance, Tyreek Evans or Wesley Matthews? Wesley has a better chance. I don't think Wesley's coming back, though, do you? I man, they didn't it, mention him at all yesterday. Yeah, I will say, way. though, he, he wasn't mentioned, and, and, and really Thad wasn't talked about, but part of the reason um, nobody asked questions about him. So, I mean, if somebody were to ask, maybe you know he would have dived into it. I don't know if with Wesley, if, if he would take a um, bench role and be a three-point you know, three shooter off the bench, then yeah. I could see it. But if he wants to start, there's no way. Okay, Kyle O'Quinn. Mm. This is a tough one because it depends Man. on if they trade Sabonis or Turner. Yeah. Huh. Because that would give him that more prominent backup role. He wouldn't have to be playing third string backup. Yeah, I'm gonna I, I'm leaning towards that <clears throat> that Turner and Sabonis will both be here. <clears throat> and I think Sabonis will get it or excuse me, O'Quinn will get a little bit better offer somewhere. And even though he likes it here, I think he's gonna want a little more time and a little more money. Yeah. A little more time, a little more I like it. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so let's get to the big guys then. Thaddeus Young. Oh, man. I don't, think, I don't think he'll be back. <clears throat> it's sad to say, and it's very possible that that hurts the Pacers tremendously, the locker room presence, the intangibles on the court. But soon to be 31 years old, I don't think – that he'd be willing to take, even though he loves it here, I don't know that he'd be willing to take a one- or two-year deal. Yeah. Um, a hometown discount, I don't see it. So this could be his last chance to get a pretty big deal somewhere. And I, I just don't think that we're going to have the money with the other things we want to do to keep him. Okay, Bojan Bogdanovic. I'm going to say yes. Um, maybe not as um, confident as what I – was towards the end of the year with some of the comments, but I, I just I just think he's going to be here. All right, give me give me your percentage on what you think he's going to be like. How comfortable do you feel with that? Out of I number. will go. I will go with uh, fifty nine. Okay, so you're kind of right there in the middle, aren't you? No, I'll go fifty nine point eight percent. Okay, fifty nine point eight. Any any specific reason why you chose that that number? I really know. <laughs> Right, so you're but you're not like in the seventy five percentile. You still think there's a fifty fifty chance that he goes somewhere else. I mean, you're not fifty fifty. No, but 50, I'm saying you're more. 59. You're 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 closer to fifty fifty than you are. Like, oh, for sure they're bringing them back. Yeah, maybe I'll go sixty two percent. Regardless, you're more on this side <laughs> of the fence than you are the the hundred percent, which is yeah. which is yeah. intriguing to me because I think that to me, if you're if you basically said the only person you think they're going to bring back is Boyan. That means they've got a lot of roster holes to fill. They're going to fill that power forward and their point guard, their backup yeah. shooting guard, and their backup center and power forward possibly, you know, so or backup big man because it depends what they do. It's a bonus. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moves they're going to have to make. You have to account for Bojan's contract will eat into that $43 million that they have, plus their draft pick if they take it. So how much money are we looking at here then that you're going to have to play with, you know, about – yeah, 25. I'll tell you one reason. I would probably go higher in the percentage if it wasn't for Peja Stojakovic. Yeah? If you remember he, back in the day. <laughs> oh, I Peja remember. Stojakovic said, I want to be here forever. And the first day of free agency, he signed somewhere else. So, Pelicans. He signed with the Pelicans. Yeah. I, I don't think Boyan would do this. No, I don't think so either, but I do think that he's going to have suitors. And I'm I'm very intrigued because I think some teams might like him as a stretch four. Um, he's big enough in today's NBA. I think it would be intriguing and I think now it is time for us to kind of look at some of these free agents that we might want to sign or, you know, I want to, I want to get your take because I have little packages in my head of what I think would be a really nice off season, but I also want to get your thoughts. So um, give me, give me, I guess, 
a little package that you might have been thinking of in your head throughout the last couple of days. As far as the whole roster, or yeah, I mean, like if you're if okay, so like let's say you want to bring Kimbin, okay? Mm-hmm. What mid level players or you know minimum guys are you going to bring in to fill the roster with that? Uh, I don't think it'll matter because Kim and Oladipo would just dominate. No, I don't know. Uh, as far as the mid-level guys, um, I honestly I, I want to start in the next couple of weeks spending more time kind of dissecting that. I have honestly not spent a lot of time um, seeing the free agents. All the questions that that have been thrown my way have been the, you know, what realistic big dogs do we have? So I've been looking at those. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, the article I said a couple of articles ago, I said I want – the Boyan back, and I want the best guard you can possibly find. And I feel like if they were to do that, um, they have enough talent they could fill in the spots. And 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 Pritchard, you may say he's hit or miss on some of those guys, um, the mid level guys. But what GM isn't, you know? Right. And and I feel like uh, he's like a lot of players on this team. Almost the whole roster is better than what people thought they were at the beginning of last year. Mm-hmm. So I think Pritchard knows talent for the most part. Tyreek didn't work out very much, but. Um, I, he was I trust good in the, the playoffs. He was good in the playoffs. Yeah, which is what he you had, really want your guys to be. You know, good he had his spurts, of course. Yep. So I guess mm-hmm. if I'm looking at it, like, so let's say we don't go. I I think that I honestly think all of them could be gone next year. Um, and I think that it really just depends on what you're able to get. Um, a guy at the top of my list is Chris Middleton. I think that I would pay him more like much more than I would pay Bojan because of the age and because of his defensive presence. I think he's a better three-point shooter. I don't know what the the statistics say, but I do think that I like his game better. I think he's a better playoff player, in my opinion. So if I can upgrade that small forward position with Middleton, I think him and Oladipo together and that those wings would be really nice. I've been on this all year. I love Patrick Beverly. I think he's someone that I would like to look at at that starting point guard position. And another player off the bench that I really would look at is Orlando's Terrence Ross. Um, this is somebody that is just a microwave-type player. He killed the Pacers in three <clears throat> of the four games this year. Just I think he had a couple 30-point games against us coming off the bench or close to yeah. it. So, you know, just just a guy that can instantly bring some scoring off the bench. And I think with Hall, they could play really fast. Um, now, if you go, if you don't bring Middleton in, and let's just say you bring in Pat Beverly and Terrence Ross, you're still going to have some money to spend. Yep. And I think somebody that would be a really nice fit with those two guys is J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick was a guy last year that actually mentioned that he was going to come to Indiana, but Philly gave him an offer he liked better because it was a little bit less money, but he would be starting instead of coming off the bench, where he was actually okay with that. And I think another year into his career, I don't think Philadelphia is going to have the money if they want to go back and sign <clears throat> Tobias and Jimmy Butler, that you might be able to get Redick for about 8 or $9 million dollars a year, maybe even 10 for one or two years and put him on your bench. And at the end of the day, he's going to make these guys better because of how he moves without the basketball. Um, I really think that he could help, you know, even McDermott guys like this learn how to move without the basketball. He's probably one of the best players in the entire NBA at getting open. You know what I mean? And so just having his veteran presence on this bench, he seems like a guy that doesn't cause issues on any team he's at, but he's he's a, he's just a leader, a natural leader in my opinion. And, hey, you know what? J.J. Redick, if he's available for $10 million a year, I know he's going to be 34 years old. He's a little bit older. There's going to be veteran teams that might want to add him, and you might be able to flip that for another piece in the, in the, in the, in the regular season before the trade deadline or even in the offseason if you sign up for two years. So those are some of the guys I like. Um, I know Rudy Gay is somebody as well that I'd be interested in. Is if, if you do let Bojan go and you sign a guy like Mike Conley, throw Rudy Gay in that starting lineup, I think that'd be an okay roster. Um, uh, Kimba Walker, not Mike Conley. If I said Mike Conley, I apologize. <laughs> I meant Kimba Walker. If you sign, I'm talking just straight up free agents. But um, yeah. that's, that's just kind of what I'm thinking right now. There's obviously guys like Danny Green that I'm intrigued by um, as well. But with that being said, are there any trades – that you could, you know, you could think of that might help bolster this roster. Well, what I was thinking when when we we're talking about uneven trades, there's a lot of times, and, and Kevin Pritchard's kind of notorious for this, where it's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. That move, you know, even the the Thad Young move, and, and some others across his career. I think there's a lot of guys that will be available that nobody's talking about that Kevin Pritchard is kind of salivating over. Like, if I can get that piece, that would be great. Um, all the guys that you mentioned, I would have some interest in. I, I, I was going to ask you, do you think there's any way J.J. Redick, if he did come over, if he could go to McMillan and say, hey, here's a couple <laughs> plays 
that allow a three-point shooter to get open well, to get I, a three to get a three-point shot? Do you think I think, think they would go for that? I think his pedigree is is much higher than most of the other guys they brought in free agency. I think he's a well-respected athlete, and I think yeah. that McMillan, you know, I think McMillan is willing to listen to his players. He's yeah. he's got to do something besides dribble handoffs because that's getting old. I mean, it's very stagnant, and he wants to play faster. Even if you bring Bojan back, imagine a lineup of Victor, Bojan, whoever the point guard is, and J.J. Redick out there with Turner. Yeah. That that court is going to be spread, and I think that's what they were envisioning when they wanted J.J. Redick was for him to possibly play some with Oladipo in that starting position where Oladipo might be running point. Yeah, I mean, I, I've... I've said that a few times as well that I would not mind. That's why I said, uh, you know, go get the best guard available regardless of position because if he's right. a two guard, you know, play Oladipo at the one, play Bojan at the four, get inventive, figure out how it's going to work without, um, you know, the defense suffering too much. But I, what I want to know the most, what I wish that we could know from Pritchard that we we never would until it happens, is his offseason going to be dictated by – that trade that then opens up, okay, how much money do we have for other free agents? Or is it going to be dictated by, okay, we signed this one big guy. Now I'm going to fill out with trades. Which domino is going to fall first? And will it start a chain of events that brings in a bunch of moves? He did say he wants to keep a lot of the court here, but I don't know. Yeah, he was kind of going back and forth. He said a lot of things that contradicted what he wanted to do. He said, I want to bring in more talent, but I want to have my core. Look, Oladipo is your core. That's all that matters. He basically said, "When is there anybody on this roster that's untradeable besides Oladipo? He did everything he could to not answer that question. So, no, he is. I don't think he's glued to anybody. I mean, I love what Miles Turner did defensively this year, but he's got to get better on the offensive end if he wants to be a starter making $18 million a year. You know, Sabonis is still in his rookie contract. Turner got his extension. He <clears throat> he proved it defensively. Now he's got to take a step forward, and I do believe that he will do that. I'm not saying that he won't. He's still what 23 years old, something like that. So yeah, it's 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 going to take time for him to grow as you, a player. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, one of my thoughts is that since Sabonis is not reaching his payday yet, now they may decide this off season to pay the guy, um, but with him being cheap for one more year, one of my thoughts is, okay, this is the year to spend and go for it. This is the year to go get the Kimba Walker or somebody, make a big move or two, um, have Sabonis and Turner as the, the two-headed monster complimenting each other. And then if it doesn't work, then maybe you choose which one of the two from that point on when they're both being paid. Yeah. Um, that's That's been my thought to it. Although at the same time, like I said earlier, you know, if if they offer somebody offers something ridiculous for one of them, then then you gotta entertain that thought. But what are your thoughts on, you know, play it out and wait until he's till they're both paid, or is now the time to to trade one? Yeah, see, like it's it's so tough to me because I know like people think I'm a Sabonis guy over a Turner guy, so I get ridicule for any Turner slander I get. Here's the thing: Turner's gonna be making eighteen million dollars next year on the books. If you can trade that, and let's just let's just bring up Kimba Walker for an example. Let's say he goes to Charlotte and says, hey, I'm going to sign in Indiana, but I want to do a sign and trade. So we send over Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and either this year's pick or a few, well, probably can't be this year's pick. It'd have to be a future pick. Even if we gave him two picks, the nice thing about that is Turner's $18 million helps absorb some of that contract. If you're trading Sabonis, you know, that's $15 million that you have to absorb basically when you're looking at both their contracts. So that's one of the reasons I would be more intrigued to look at moving Turner because the money that he has helps, you know, even some of that, that balance you bring in. So if you trade Turner and let's say they sign Kimba Walker three years, a hundred million dollars. So you get 30, 35 million, whatever around 35 million for one season. You trade Turner's 18. Yeah. That cuts into $17 million of your cap space still. But imagine if it was for just ten million or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So like I yep. think that his bulk of a contract helps make him more movable than Sabonis. But I think that Sabonis, on the other hand, um, he is cheaper. And so teams might want to have control of his contract as well. Because yeah. if he doesn't pan out, that can give them money and free agency. So I mean they're both really intriguing players, I think, that right now we would probably agree Turner had the better postseason. Uh, Sabonis had a really good season. There's times where they, 
you know, share the floor together and were really successful. There was times when you saw Sabonis starting or finishing games with <laughs> Turner on the bench. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's really just what the Pacers decide to do. And I honestly would have to with back to your question. I didn't really answer it, so I apologize. But um, playing them together, I think it's something you have to experiment with before you just trade one of them. And the last you get an offer, you can't refuse, like I mentioned, for Kemba or Drew Holiday, like I mentioned on Twitter today. I would not do it for Mike Conley because Mike Conley's too old. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. why I would not want to get rid of a 23-year-old Turner or Sabonis for a 33-year-old Mike Conley. How about uh, the some of the some of the uh, thoughts that people have had is a uh, Holiday, Leaf, and picks for Conley? Would you do that? Well, uh, I would do that. I don't animal. think Memphis would do that. Um, yeah. It would probably take multiple picks, uh, two to three, and I don't think anybody really wants to give up those those picks when high school players become eligible in the NBA draft. Those are going to be really intriguing because you're going to have younger guys come in, which means more college. But the, the draft will just be deeper, I think, especially yeah. that year. And so I think that that will be a pick that might be intriguing to move. Yeah. Um, that's That's my biggest thing. I almost feel like the Pacers are sold more on Holiday's potential than they are either Miles or Sabonis. It, it's weird to me for me. It's weird for me to say that, but I think they prioritize having Holiday be their starting point guard of the future and picking between one of the centers. Oh, to be on a fly on the wall in the uh, in the boardroom there. Yeah. Imagine if it's like fantasy basketball and, and Pritchard <laughs> sends a message and he's like, all right, Turner and Sabonis, what's your best offer for each one? And I'll pick one or maybe neither. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would honestly just gauge the market. I'm sure they've done that too. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, these guys are paid to do that. I would be looking at what people are value, valuing Turner at and what they're valuing Sabonis at. And if there's a deal out there that I like, I'd go for it. So let me ask you this. David Aldridge today um, brought up the fact that he thinks the Wizards need to trade Bradley Beal. You said go out and get the best guard available. Yeah. Would you go out and trade for Bradley Beal? That's a name that I've been intrigued about the last couple of years. Um, uh, I think if I remember right, he's got two or three years or something like that left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, big, big fan of acquiring guys like in the Oladipo trade even back when that trade happened, I wasn't like crazy, crazy about it, but I was one of the few that was like, this could be good. And one of the reasons is both these guys are locked up for a while mm-hmm. and both were high picks. Everyone talks about picks and everything, but um, big fan of, of trading for a guy that's locked up for a while. And, you know, uh, what's he going to do if he gets here? And <laughs> like, I'm, I'm signed and it's a good squad. He and Oladipo would be pretty intriguing. So that's one I would definitely listen on. Interesting nugget, he is a free agent the same year Oladipo is after the 2021 season. He'll be making $27.93 million next year, or $27.1 million next year and 28.75 the year after. I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, I know a lot of people say you need a, you need a true point guard, but look at what look at what Portland's doing right now. Now they have not had amazing playoff success, but they've never had a really good starting center. Their yeah. wings have always just been kind of like throwing guys. You got Mo Harkless, Evan Turner, Alfarico Mino. These are all okay players, but nobody that's going to change the game for you. If you have Bowie on with Bradley Beal, Oladipo, and Turner, I think that's a really solid team in the Eastern Conference. Especially if Kawhi Leonard goes to LA, leaves for the Western Conference. If the if the Sixers are unable to retain one of either Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris, or both of them leave. Now you've got a lot of room to grow as a team, and trading for somebody I think makes sense. Um, I think I threw a trade out there today in my. I, I might have sent it to Fachi. <laughs> That's I think what I did. I said something along the lines of Turner, McDermott, our pick for this year, and a future pick for Bradley Beal. And he said, "There's no way they would do that." Mm. And he said they view Beal as the all-star of this team, the best player on this team, and trading him an all-NBA player for guys that aren't even close to that, even if they get picks, really doesn't mean anything uh, significant to them. I think that might be more fan talk because I think if you're the GM of Washington, you're trying to rebuild this thing from the bottom up because Ernie Ernie Grunfeld did a terrible job there uh, you know, building that roster. So I believe that he is available. I just don't know if the Pacers have the guys to get it. Yeah. Um. You did? Did you see my my uh, Twitter idea about Drew Holiday? 
you said, uh, which is Sabonis or Turner? You said Turner. I said Sabonis on this one. Oh, Sabonis. That's right. Yeah. And I think, I think the reason I said Sabonis, McDermott and our pick, uh, it's, it's a very similar combination. I'm trying everything I can to get rid of McDermott. If you haven't noticed. Okay. <laughs> this is like me trying to trade Solomon Hill that one year. Like everybody wanted to get rid of him until he started playing well in the playoffs. But regardless of all that, my thinking is that is a, uneven trade where the Pacers would take into like 16, seven, I think it was something like that. Yeah. I think it'd be 16 or $17 million in the cap. They have that to play with. That gives them a really good defensive starting point guard next to Oladipo. They can share the ball similar to McCollum and Lillard. And one of the things is Anthony Davis, you know, that's all folks. He wrote that. I mean, he wore that shirt for a reason. Yep. David Griffin is a smart man. If he can get a young contract in Sabonis as the starting center, he can trade Anthony Davis for a combination of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, or Jason Tatum with Terry Rozier. That is a nice young core down there in New Orleans to build around. Yeah. So that's why I think it's intriguing. And then it gives them more cap flexibility as well, since the Pacers will be taking $16 million off their cap space with that trade or close to yeah. it. So that's one of the reasons I'm intrigued by it. I had some Pelicans fans really upset with me about that idea. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever, but of course. that was just, you know, nobody really knows what's going to happen. I just think that that kind of made sense for what I said. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I was picturing the uh, the TV show Highly Questionable where the, the poppy says, oh, see, see, I'm very intrigued. <laughs> yeah, when you were talking, yeah, I'm, that, that is intriguing, especially for a Sabonis apologist like yourself to be able to say, I would trade him for this. That, you know, that should show fans that that would be a pretty uh, – pretty intriguing idea i mean they it's almost like like they just got to do something you know it's it's time it's time to make some kind of move it's fun to talk about all these different options and different names he's got to do something it may or may not work there's going to be risk involved he could definitely bring guys back and have a good squad and maybe even win a a playoff series with that squad but if you want to go further if you want to have a chance if you want the fan base to really rally you got to do something exactly um now, I have to ask you this. I'm sure you're watching the NBA playoffs right now. Do you think that if the Rockets do get swept, whether it's in a gentleman sweep or in four, that they can bring this roster back, or do they have to make a significant move? Mm, I think they're going to try to make some kind of significant move. Um, I, I really hope, for, for from a fan perspective, I really hope they win game three to, to make that a series. That would be awful if they lost game three and just – an easy series for Golden State, but um, I, you know they're going to look at last year as the chance. Chris Paul goes out, but then if you look at next year, he's two years older, and um, it's tough to do with uh, with pretty much a one man show. So they don't have a lot of cap, I don't think, but they would try to do something. So maybe they would give James Harden for um, McDermott or something like that. Make a, <laughs> All right. Well, let me ask big... <laughs> you. Let me ask you a serious question. Um, yeah. I think the only two players, maybe three, that are really movable on that team with their contracts and what they are. Um, Eric Gordon, number one. Number two, P.J. Tucker. Number three, Clint Capella. We don't need Capella. I think P.J. Tucker would be intriguing as a, as, as a, as a shooting, you know, a small yeah. forward, uh, power forward type player. You're wearing an IU hat right now. <laughs> it's Pacers and IU, by the way. Yeah, right. I see Pacers that. I see that. I see the <laughs> IU logo on the, on the right side of your head, right? So, Eric Gordon. There's been a lot of people that have said, I would love to see Eric Gordon in a Pacers uniform because of his ability to score the basketball. Right now, he is playing small forward on the Houston Rockets at six foot four, six foot five inches tall. Yep. You said, go out and get the best guard available. I'm going to hold you to it right here. If they can get Eric Gordon and pair him with Victor Oladipo, what would it take, number one, to get him? And number two, would you be willing to do a sign and trade of, of Bojan Bogdanovic for Eric Gordon? Hmm. The the Hoosier fan in me is like, yeah, bring on Eric Gordon and Oladipo, and we can all, you know call Yogi Ferrell up and see what he's doing as well. But <laughs> um, I, oh, that's a tough one to, to know exactly what it would what it would take. I'm I think the Pacers are, and rightfully so, thinking a little bigger this right. off season. Doesn't mean they'll get it. Um, if the off season was, you know, they they added Gordon and they were you know replaced him for Boyan. Not sure that's going to be you know winning in the off season. I am very intrigued by Gordon, the player. I know he's had a history of you know injury issues. Um, I don't know. It's 
it's tough, tough to say, especially when you're trying to fit in like, okay, him and the Houston, you know, Dan Tony system compared to Nate's not really sure. It would be, it would be fun for the fans. Great shooter can still get to the rim. Um, but I think, uh, he's durable. Man, yeah, he has been lately. He wasn't for a while. Right. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's trained better in that way. Well, um, he gives them size, which, which is one of the things I was thinking, is he gives yeah. Houston some more size because they're getting absolutely <laughs> dominated on the rebounds right now. Um, now he's not a shot creator, which that might be a problem for Houston, but James Harden has been dominating the ball so much this season, just spreading the floor and having a guy that's a decent defender. He can switch on to you know bigger players. He could play that stretch four for him. It would help take off some of the load of Tucker. Would you be okay? Would you be willing to throw on holiday in this deal? I probably would there. Um, and not give I like, up a pick. Yeah. I like holiday. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, if they were to get a, get a point guard somehow, um, you know, if you're talking about who's, who's probably going to be your backup point guard for another year or two, or maybe even more, um, and you you can get a, a guy of Gordon's caliber, then that's something I would consider. I, I wish there could be a, a guy like Gordon. Gordon um, having him, and then you know somehow you you able to do that, and you keep Bogey, and he becomes a great six man or something. That would be like a, a championship type move, but yeah, you know, I'm not happen. sure the odds of that happening. Yeah, Thaddeus Young uh, would not be a good fit for um, for Houston because he can't shoot very well. He's a really good defender but I don't think that him and Tucker out there would really be a great offensive team for them. That's why I think Bojan makes more sense. Even if you threw McDermott in there, the, the, the problem is that Eric Gordon only makes $13 million a year. So you'd have to do Holiday and Bojan for probably Nene and Eric Gordon, see if they'd be up for that, but that's about it. So, yeah, um, we'll wrap this segment up. We'll come back real quick, and we will answer some of your questions from Twitter. We'll be right back. Our back, ladies and gentlemen, for the final segment, going to read some of your questions and your replies to our tweets at Setting the Pace Three. If you have any Pacers questions, send them our way. Tyler, you have the questions up. Yeah, I got a couple questions here. One is from uh, the Source Ninety Four. Uh, was asking, does this mean that Thaddeus Young is for sure out? Um, in in response to Pritchard's comments about Turner and Sabonis, not necessarily. You know, we did mention this earlier in the show, but. Um, Thad Young wasn't really asked. I mean, he wasn't asked about very much at the conference to my knowledge, unless I somehow missed it. But, um, Pritchard did say he was going to talk to every single one of our free agents because they deserve that. He was going to at least see what the options were. Um, I've said all along that losing Thad may end up hurting quite a bit because he's the glue and the amazing locker room guy. But at the same time, is he going to take a hometown discount? I don't think that Pritchard's comments for sure rule anything out. Um, but, you know, as I said earlier in the show, I do. If I was a betting man, I would say that he's not going to be here. But who knows? Maybe he's like, I love it so much, and I want to win. I'll take a friendlier deal and rock with it. What do you think on that one? What do the Pacers value more? A shot creator, someone that can shoot the ball from three, or do they value defense on a guy that's been here and has been a really good leader? That's going to be up to Pritchard. I'm glad he's getting paid to make these decisions, and I'm not. Because emotionally, you'd probably say, oh, I really want to keep that here. He's been so good for this organization. He's just a fantastic human being. But is he really the best person at that starting power forward position for your team? Probably not. He probably isn't. But he's a, he's still a really good player. So, yeah, um, I would I would assume that they'll look to upgrade there. But if they don't, I think he's a good fallback option. Yep. All right. All right, so another question. This is from Brennan. Uh, he's asking about who are the realistic targets in free agency, which is probably one of the top questions that get asked around this time of year, um, every year. I 100%, 100% believe that Kemba Walker is actually a realistic target. Now, Pritchard's comments you know, of what he's looking for basically describe him. Um, Kimba has said before that he's absolutely cool with the small market, just wants to win. I'm not saying the Pacers have a great chance or even a good chance of landing Kimba, but when fans ask me, you know, do I think it's a realistic chance that the Pacers talk to him? Absolutely. I think that, that they do. I don't think Pritchard's even going to bother calling Durant and Kawhi. Um, but I do get a different sense from him this summer that I, I would not doubt him at least picking up the phone and having some conversations, even with 
the Clay Thompsons and Jimmy Butlers of the world don't think they'll, you know, they'll land either one of those guys. But when Pritchard said they're going to think big, I don't think he was just referring to the possibility of a Kemba Walker. I think he wants to have lots of conversations and see what can happen. Yeah, I think I think with Kemba Walker, you can throw in Chris Middleton to that group. He's in a small market. Now, Pritchard did mention that he doesn't want to be viewed as a small market, but I do think that those are going to be guys he ends up targeting. I think Tobias Harris is a realistic option at that stretch four. Price is everything. That's going to be my motto, motto this this entire offseason. Price is everything. You've got limited space, really, with what you have. You can go out and get a big name, but after that, you're going to be limited. So you've got to be really smart with your decisions. That's why I mentioned guys earlier in the podcast, J.J. Redick, Pat Beverly, Danny Green, Terrence Ross, good wing players that can shoot the three, that can play defense. I think those are the guys that you're probably going to be looking to add to this roster to make this a better collective unit, similar to what Toronto's doing, and hope that you know somebody, maybe it's Turner or Sabonis, develops into what Pascal Siakam did this year and takes that next level of a, of a step in his game to being that player. So that's my thoughts on that. Do we have any more questions? Uh, that's the only ones that I saw. So I'm not, I'm sorry if we missed anybody, but uh, just real quick, I got, I did have some people give some of their takeaways from yesterday's <clears throat> presser. Our man, AK Riley said, Pritchard sounds like he's ready to take the next step. Yet McMillan seems to be stuck in the past that received eight likes by the fans. I think fans really were agreeing with that. Somebody um, replied to that. It is Nick. From Pacers All Day said, how do you come to that conclusion? The way Nate addressed, it's an offensive league and the team needs to bring in offensive-minded players and focus on offense. You Nate haters hear what you want. And our man, A.K. Riley, replied, Nate McMillan, uh, comment, I see the league going big again and away from the stretch four. Don't doubt Nate is a great coach, just not in today's NBA, simple as that. So there's some you know disapproval of that. Now, we did get three questions here from Samson Clear. So, um, well, these were his takeaways. He said, Pacers will have a new starting point guard this year? Question mark. Pacers will be aggressive this offseason. I believe that we both agree that. And then his last one was, is Sabonis a starter? I think that we're both 50-50 on that one as well. Other than that. Yes, yes, and maybe. <laughs> yeah, and then some somebody named Keith comes in here and says, your starting point guard for the Pacers next year is Alfred Payton. <laughs> so, uh, very, very uh, – very, very sarcastic tweet there from him. So other than that, I mean, honestly, you know what it is. Like, guys, just don't get your hopes up for Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, those yeah. players. They're not coming here. Sorry to say it, but the 1K that might come here is Kimball Walker. I agree with you. Smaller market. I'm going to try to get Spencer Percy on uh, soon to talk about this with us because he covers the, the, the Hornets for BuzzBeat Radio. Would love to get his take on Kimball Walker and what he thinks he might be doing. So, other than that, I've got nothing else to say. Tyler, are you good? Good to go. Excited this, to see what happens. This was a fun podcast. You can follow us, guys, on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. Make sure to check out IndieSportsLegend.com and, of course, PacersTalk.net. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.